You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Kate Majuk on the show today to talk a little fantasy football, some of her thoughts on Packers players related to fantasy, why she thinks Devontae Adams is wide receiver one this year for fantasy football. And uh, it's a really uh, fun time to have those discussions because we're still, you know, word is trickling in about what's going on at training camp because, you know, most of it is digital. We're talking about walkthroughs, Zoom interviews. There's not a lot of information that we can glean. So, Let's still take the opportunity to talk some football, but talk fantasy football. So we're going to do that coming up in a little bit. I want to start the show, though, with something that Matt LaFleur said, and it's something that we've talked a little bit about over the course of the offseason, and that is the play of the offensive line in terms of who the five starters are going to be. I don't think we should take it for granted that Rick Wagner, who came in this offseason, on a small money deal with the Packers is going to be the starting right tackle. Matt LaFleur in an interview on Tuesday said that they're still working through the process, still trying to figure out who the best five are, and they're going to play the best five. Now that's a thing that a coach often says and doesn't always follow through on. We saw last year that Matt LaFleur was willing to play the best guy. Elton Jenkins right away showed out and was on his way to unseating Lane Taylor. Not a knock on Lane Taylor, who has been a good player over the course of his career, an above-average guard. And, and, you know, there was some poor play at times in 2018. And I, he was really good in 2017 in a season that no one really remembers or cares about anymore because of the Aaron Rodgers injury and Brett Hundley playing so poorly. In 2018, he became a little bit of a scapegoat among Packers fans but he was still one of the best guards in football in pass block win rate. It was just that when he lost his matchup, it it was unlucky and ended in a sack or an important pressure. It was like the microscope was being placed on him in a way that it wasn't on some of these other players when they were giving up pressures and sacks. Interior pressure is death for an offense, especially, you know, you think back to 2018, Aaron Rodgers couldn't move the same ways, hurt all season dealing with that knee injury so if he can't move, it makes that pressure even more harmful to your offense. So what we saw last year was the Packers say, we don't have a quality backup behind Brian Bulaga. So what we're going to do is take Billy Turner, who has played tackle in his life and is probably, if he's going to play tackle, best suited to play right tackle. And he's going to rotate in in practice. And he's going to get first team right tackle reps. 
and that works in a number of ways. You ease the burden on Brian Bulaga, who has his own injury history and is a veteran player with plenty of miles on the odometer. Okay, so Billy Turner, a little bit of younger player, uh, he slides out and gets some reps at tackle. That could have just been a nice plan, but more likely it was testing the waters. It was, okay, if the Packers have to play Billy Turner, can he do it? And is it something that they could see as a long-term solution here? Because they don't have a right tackle of the future. They have a right tackle of the right now, we think, in Rick Wagner. But it could be the case that if Wagner is more the player he was in 2019 and not the player he was, say, 2015 through 2018, when he was a very good right tackle in the NFL, didn't play nearly as well last year, really fell off, and by most accounts, that was injury-related. We'll see if that's the case. If he, gets, if he gets out on the field and looks like that guy, then I think Billy Turner keeps that right guard job. That's not done either because Lane Taylor is still a quality player. When the Packers went into OTAs last year and it, it, even in a training camp with Allen Jenkins on the roster, Lane Taylor was a starter. Billy Turner was a starter, but Lane Taylor was a starter on the left side, which left guard is where you put your better pass blocker. Lane Taylor is the better pass blocker. He's not ideally suited to this outside zone run scheme, but maybe you take that trade off. Now, do I think the Packers are going to say, hey, Billy Turner, uh, we know you were a starter last year and we just gave you uh, a nice free agent contract. Lane Taylor is playing on what is essentially a veteran minimum deal for one year. Uh, you can take a seat. You can sit on the bench. I'm, I'm hard-pressed to see that happening, but Matt LaFleur has proven he's willing to put the best five out there. So if Lane Taylor outplays Billy Turner in the preseason, you say, look, Billy, you're the swing tackle. You're the backup guard at both spots. You're going to be an important piece to this offense. Would it be tough to have a guy who's, you know, the 11th, 12th highest paid player at his position be sitting on the bench? Yeah, sure it would. But on the other hand, you want your best guys out there, and the Packers can get out of the Billy Turner contract at the end of this season, having just drafted Jake Hansen, John Runyon Jr., they have options here. They could extend Lane Taylor if they feel like that puts them in the best position to succeed. They they drafted a bunch of interior offensive linemen. And that could be a, hey, if Turner is not better than he was last year, and he wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible, somewhere in the middle, and he did have some struggles in pass protection, if he's not materially better, you can move on. And you still have Lane Taylor who you could sign on a short-term deal and say, okay, you're the right guard now while John Runyon Jr. is groomed to be the, the guard of the future, although I think he's potentially the center of the future. Maybe that's Jake Hansen. Unfortunately, we're not going to get a preseason and an opportunity to see them, and, and that's what's really unfortunate about all of this and the progression of it because you can see it if one of those guys pops. You get one of those interior guys to pop. You can make do at center with you know whomever. And then you can move on from Billy Turner, save some money in a year where your cap savings is crucial. You know, that makes some sense. That's going to be harder now without these reps because you're going to have fewer opportunities to see them, fewer opportunities to see them get live reps against opponents, guys that they don't see in practice every day. It's going to be more difficult to make those evaluations and therefore more difficult to make decisions about where this team can go in the future. For our purposes now, though, 
I don't think it's crazy to think that the starting offensive line for the Packers in week one is going to be David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, Lane Taylor, Billy Turner. If that's the best group of five, then that's who's going to play. Rick Wagner is not making so much money that he can't be a backup, that he can't be your swing tackle. Now, he's probably not a guard the way Turner is. We know Turner can play guard, but you know, you're paying a couple million bucks to your backup offensive tackle. That's not a problem. Ideally, ideally, the best five that the Packers can put out there. Remember the other day we talked about the best uh, 11 personnel grouping, three receivers, tight end, and a running back. The best five that the Packers can put out there includes Rick Wagner healthy and not playing like he did last year, assuming that last year was health-related. The version of, of Wagner when he's healthy is the best right tackle on this team. Then the question becomes, what do you do at right guard? And that's going to test Matt LaFleur's theory of, hey, we want the best five guys. Well, what if that's Lane Taylor? Do you take in, do you take contract into account? Do you take the leadership that, that Billy Turner has shown through this offseason into account? Do you, do you take the fact that Lane Taylor is not one of your guys, that you did not bring him in into account? There's a lot of different factors, and you'd like to think that the best five guys are going to play, but that's not always the case. So that's going to test Matt LaFleur. If, if Rick Wagner is not the guy that the Packers think he can be or has the potential to be in a best-case scenario, then it becomes easy because you just play Turner at tackle, you play Taylor at guard, and that's a really nice backup plan to have because we know Taylor can handle that starting guard responsibility. He can be a, an average to above average starting right guard. Not quite sure what Turner can be at tackle at this point. Like I said, he's done it before, but it's not been his best position. So we'll see where he is and what he can do moving forward. This is not really the offseason to make those kinds of, of choices, but it is the choice facing the Packers. And at the end of the day, it's a nice decision to have because you have three guys that you believe in to play two spots. And you'd rather have three guys to play two spots than two guys to play three spots. So from that standpoint, the Packers are in pretty good shape. All right, let's get to my conversation with Kate. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at FFBallBlast. She writes for Roto World. Roto, Roto, she writes for Roto World. I haven't even been drinking, you guys. Roto World and Four for Football, also Ball Blast Football. Uh, she is one of my favorite fantasy follows on Twitter, so check her out there. Kate, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm very excited. How's everything going? It's good. I'm I'm sleeping a little bit better because my 12-week-old son is sleeping a little bit better. So that's that's good. And <laughs> and we might actually get football, which is great. We might. We absolutely <laughs> might. Honestly, you probably haven't slept since I'm going to guess about April when your Packers uh, fumbled the entire draft. Is that right? Ooh, oof, oof. Don't make Too me soon? talk about the Super Bowl in 2010. Okay. <laughs> Too soon. We'll have to we'll have to get there. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about um, this offseason because you focus um, you know predominantly on fantasy and putting together rankings. Has it been you know different for you to try and figure out and parse through like okay what what's the deal here? How are these teams going to figure this all out and and how much do I have to account for it and how I'm thinking about the kinds of season these players are going to have. Honestly, I think I try, I've always tried to, um, you know, sort of when I'm doing projections, when I'm doing rankings to put my brain in the position of the head coach. So 
Um, you know, last season, I, I, I was worried about Jamal Williams because I knew, man, the Packers have some sort of affinity for this guy, Jamal Williams. So I, I feel like I always try to, um, you know, take into account the, the thought process that might be behind, um, you know, aspects like playing time, offensive snaps, routes run. Um, and I think honestly, that just gave it more of a focus because I, I think we need to picture, you know, okay, so I'm a coach, I've got, you know, this many rookies, I've got this many um, free agent signings, I, you know, we have this many new aspects of the team, um, you know, which offenses are, are going to have the most stability. And those are actually the offenses that I, I feel like I'm projecting for more fantasy points, because um, you know, I, I think they, they're just going to have a better idea of how to, to put forth their offense in 2020 when we do have such a weird, weird off season. Like I'm so excited about the bucks, but I'm like, how is that, how is that offense going to come together? We really have no, no idea, honestly. So continuity is something we've talked a lot on this show about as we look toward, you know, a, a, this shortened off season and all of the the challenges that provide. So as you're putting together your projections and you're trying to, you know, be the coach and figure this out, where did you view Green Bay on that spectrum of teams that are going to have, you know, some continuity versus less? I actually viewed them as a, a pretty stable offense. You know, I think that uh, just the fact I, I wouldn't be surprised and uh, maybe you can speak more to this. I, I feel like we still haven't heard the full story. I feel like there has to be some move that the Packers getting ready to make because I, I just can't imagine them exiting the draft without a single wide receiver um, and just being settled with that, especially with how vocal Aaron Rodgers has been um, in his quest to, to get more receiving assets. But honestly, overall, that that offense is very stable. You know, Devontae Adams, I think he's a Sherlock for a minimum 150 targets this season. Um, you know, the, the lack of Jimmy Graham, I don't think people understand – uh, you know, it, I know he was Jimmy Graham last season, but he still accounted for 60 targets within that offense, which that's actually like a decent amount of opportunity. So, um, you know, I've been I've been a little down on Aaron Jones, but I'm starting to come back up on him the more we we progress through this offseason because I'm realizing, you know, there's just there are vacated targets. There's a lot of opportunity here, but there's really no new uh, assets to to soak it up aside from A.J. Dillon, who. You know, I aside from sniping some touchdowns from Aaron Jones, I'm not sure just how much of an impact we're going to see right away. It, it's definitely one of the offenses that I feel a little bit more comfortable with. Devontae Adams is actually my wide receiver one projected for 2020. I'm so excited to see him ball out this year. Okay, so people will be maybe a little bit disappointed with the Aaron Jones thing, but then you win them back with Devontae Adams. So. <laughs> What do you and I, I think you're right, by the way, about Aaron Jones. I think some of his touches are going to be uh, given to, to A.J. Dillon and and Jamal Williams is certainly still going to be a part of this offense. As you said, they love him. And Mike McCarthy, th that regime loved him. And Matt LaFleur's coaching staff immediately loved him as well. But when you look at Devontae Adams, is it his greatness? Is it the fact that they don't have that many other proven pieces? Is it a combination? What is it for you that makes him wide receiver one? I definitely think it's, you know, all about the, the opportunity and the talent. You know, um, he was a guy that I was I was high on a little bit too early in his career. I was super excited for him in 2015. Um, and it just felt like every time you saw him, he was he was dropping balls left and right. 
just didn't put it together. And then, you know, suddenly in 2016, we saw a different, different wide receiver. We saw, you know, a guy who was able to, to stay on the field. Um, you know, he's been mostly healthy throughout his career. Hasn't had a season with a fewer, fewer than a hundred targets since 2015. Um, you know, it, it, he didn't put it together this year, but he was, he was injured, you know, last, uh, in the 2019 season, um, returning from injury, he was actually on a stellar, stellar pace. Um, you know, it entered the season without many touchdowns, just, I think got off to a slow and sort of disappointing start. But if we're even just looking at the, the last, you know, eight games of the season, he was on pace for like 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns. And it, you know, I, I can't believe that that, that volume is just going to keep being funneled to him because I just feel like it's the ultimate fantasy cheat code. You know, I'm looking at all these other guys, you know, Michael Thomas, I do think his, his workload's pretty safe, but um, I just think that, you know, I, you can't ask for a better opportunity than what Devonte Adams is going to get this year. I love it. All right. So, okay. You're, you're back in the good graces of the listeners. So that was, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> not that those things matter that much. They do. Um, they very much do. <laughs> of course, of course they do. Uh, we all like to be liked when, <laughs> when you think about what Devonte Adams has done over the last, I think he still leads the league in receiving touchdowns since 2016, which is crazy because yeah. he, he, he only had a handful last year. So I, I think that's, that's bang on. I, I would love to know, I don't know how into like dynasty you are, but when you look at these rookies, I mean, do, do you think there's value in some of these guys longer term? Do you see AJ Dillon as something that, you know, if you're in a dynasty league, that's a, a smart pick Jordan love. I mean, what is your feel there? Honestly, I, I am all about these guys for the future. I think that, um, you know, Jordan love is a very telling pick. I think, you know, the fact that Aaron, Aaron Rodgers didn't see that pick coming, uh, just sort of tells me about, you know, something about how they view Jordan Love and how they how they're looking at Aaron Rodgers. You know, they got they've got a plan for the future. But um, the fact that this pick came now, um, you know, when you're you're fresh out of the uh, fresh out of the playoffs last season, like I, I just I'm I'm surprised at how quickly they've, um, you know, sort of tilted towards planning for the future. They could have gotten a stellar wide out in a historic wide receiver class in the first round, second round, uh, even third round and, you know, sort of given him assets to, to really win for now, but they, they neglected to do that. You know, I'm, I was shocked at that, but I think it speaks to um, just where they envision their organization going. Um, you know, Matt LaFleur, I, I think he, he's definitely going to continue to emphasize the wrong run in that way, but dynasty is, I am going to buy AJ Dillon. I actually got him in a lot of my fantasy drafts. Um, you know, the rookie drafts, AJ Dillon's been going super late. And I think it's because, um, you know, he's, he is viewed as more of that Derrick Henry type that um, isn't really utilized in the passing game. Doesn't have a lot of upside there, but dude is an absolute bulldozer. And I can't imagine a world where he's not, you know, like easily a goal line guy in, in 2020, but, you know, just for now, if we're, if we're, making acquisitions in dynasty leagues before we see these guys in the field. He's definitely somebody that, you know, I, I think the sky is the absolute limit for, um, you know, they, they utilize the draft capital for him instead of, you know, doing a, a win now situation. Um, I'm, I'm buying him everywhere because out of all these rookies that have been hyped 
Um, I feel like we've heard the least about AJ Dillon, you know, and in a run first offense, if we're, if we're going to liken, you know, the green Bay Packers to even the Tennessee Titans and, and the shift we saw towards the run with Matt LaFleur there, the opportunity is going to be there. And Aaron Jones, I cannot imagine him being there for the long term. I, I just can't, can't envision that at all. Um, you know, especially I, with the cap going down. I mean, that complicates all of this. Can, can any team afford to pay running back? I'm a little I'm a little unsurprised, I'll say, that, that you like A.J. Dillon because when you look at someone like Zach Moss and all of the great stats, all of the PFF stats, A.J. Dillon is on all those same lists. So it, it sort of follows. Absolutely. And you know what? A.J. Dillon is just like uh, he's he's a guy that just for his size, what he's he's able to do as an athlete, he's, just, he's such a big dude. Um, and, you know, he he's able to. Um, you know, I think receive uh, at a baseline. But, if, you know, if you're going to try to pick, you know, get these pieces into the backfield, um, maybe get, you know, A.J. Dillon as, as the primary, you know, first and second down back, and then, you know, keep keep Jamal Williams on the line. Don't have to pay him as much, but he's a, an excellent receiver. Um, that could be a nice one-two punch that you're not going to have to pay as much in terms of, of you know, your your total cap value for the team. Um, you know, he's definitely a, a, a discounted, um, you know, version of, of Derrick Henry. I love Derrick Henry. I've been so, so on Derrick Henry. Um, but I, I just think that he is this prototypical, uh, tough back that I can't wait to, to have in all my leagues. And <laughs> you know, it's definitely something like you have to, you know, acquire him this off season tempering all expectations you know i i do not expect him to have rb2 even consistent rb3 value this season um you know if you want to wait until off season i think you're probably gonna have to pay more of a, a, a premium price uh if we may wait much longer just because of the fact that you know it i think everybody's thinking the same thing about aaron jones we can't really project him here for the long term all right, so let's zoom out because uh, presumably um, our listeners will not just be picking Packers. There's probably <laughs> literally not enough players worth rostering to pick. Yeah, uh, I, I think to, to fill the team. <laughs> so, um, are there some guys that you feel like are undervalued that are that are maybe going a round or two too late? Who, you know, whether it was you have in every league or you target in every league, you're like, okay, these are the guys that I'm stamping this year. These are my guys and I'm riding with them because I think they're undervalued by the public. Oh, absolutely. So we can, we can start with the quarterback position. Um, everybody's, everybody's number one go-to. I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew. He's my candidate to win everybody's fantasy leagues this season. Um, he's currently being drafted as literally the quarterback 28, like wow. absolute madness. Um, I'm not sure, and you know, it's not like we saw him on the COVID list and suddenly saw his uh, his draft capital slip. He he just really never never popped up this season. The hype was never there. Um, but you know, Gardner Minshew is a guy that we saw him come in very unexpectedly in his rookie season, get a 60% completion percentage, you know, a 1.3% interception rate, um, and he was running the ball, which is is the absolute cheat code in fantasy football, he just, there's so many opportunities there for rushing quarterbacks. 
Um, you know, 67 rush attempts and, and 12 games started. I'm going to take that all day. Um, and I, I certainly think that, you know, the fact that he did have that many rushing attempts without any rushing touchdowns, um, you know, I, I expect him to maybe pick up a couple on the ground next season and, and easily return, um, you know, QB one upside on a week to week basis, but he's somebody you can literally get in, in the last round of your drafts. He's going behind Tua and we're not even sure Tua's going to play this season. Like how wild is that? Well, and, and he has a go-to receiver and we know oh. DJ Chark is going to put up numbers. I love LaVisca Chenault and they're going to be behind, Absolutely. right? I mean, this makes sense. They're going to be behind in every game. This is how Blake Bortles put up a top five QB season through 35 exactly. touchdowns one year because they were down 20 every game. Yes. And I, I feel like, um, you know, sort of every off season we get in this low where we, um, you know, put ourselves in the position where we think, um, you know, good NFL play equals good fantasy play. I think like mm-hmm. we get out of the season, we forget that these inefficient offenses are actually like where all your money can lie. Right. <laughs> it, like inefficiency is actually fantastic for any team and with any wide receivers, you know, um, even like Chris Conley had, you know, some streamability last year, which like Chris Conley, no, like he's on nobody's radar, but you know, they, they needed to throw the ball and, and he was available for that. So, um, you know, he's a guy that, that I really like. And, and I think the the offense sort of fits him, um, you know, for running backs, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, some of the mid range values. Um, somebody I really like is James White. Uh, we're looking at, you know, the, the, Patriots offense. Now we really don't know what it's going to, to fully come to, to light, but we've got Cam Newton who is used to utilizing uh, his running back as a receiver and James White, he, he definitely had a a down season last year, but I I think that, you know, we can project um, just, you know, again, from efficiency standpoint that they are going to need to throw the ball a bit. Um, you know, Cam Newton is not as, as proficient a passer as Tom Brady, as, uh, as you probably well know. Um, you know, I, I can easily project James White for 100 targets. He's going to be PPR gold. Um, you know, I, I just wouldn't be surprised at all to see him with, uh, you know, 700 receiving yards on the season. Um, and, and he's going pretty late. He's currently being drafted as the running back 37 um, so much great value there, especially for PPR leagues. Yeah. Um, another name I like Jordan Howard in Miami again, gross. I know like <laughs> nobody wants to get anywhere near, near Miami, especially on the ground. But, um, you know, Jordan, Jordan Howard was actually, you know, on paces like a high end RB two last season in Philadelphia with Miles Sanders, um, you know, volume is key if you're looking for some of these these guys that are, are going to provide you a safe floor. Um, you know, if you you take your your Jordan Howards and then you match them up with a guy like Amari Cooper who could absolutely explode on any given moment in any given day, um, you might have yourself like a nice nice little balance there. And he's so cheap; he's RB thirty four, like great value. Yeah, I want to finish on this um, because you are in Pittsburgh. Oh yeah. I need I need to know if you have a go-to meat and potatoes order. Ooh, um I've actually never been. Can I tell you? Really? That? I've never been. Uh, we've been in Pittsburgh 3 years now. We live downtown right near meat and potatoes. Kate, what are you doing? 
we literally were, we lived two blocks away. I walked past it every day on my way home from work and I never made it there. And I, now you're making me regret that decision, but I'll put you on the spot. Um, Michelle and I will go to meat and potatoes, but I'm going to need to know what to order. Well, the thing is, is any, any steak is obviously, you know, worth, worth getting. Uh, they make terrific cocktails, I will say, because I went on a, on a work trip uh, when the U.S. Open was at Oakmont and I sat at the bar by myself because it was, a, it was packed. Um, I think I was actually there for, a, for something else, but it, it, it's always packed and you really can't go wrong with any of the stuff, but it depends on what, you, what your go-to is in terms of steak. Like okay. I, I would, I would say the strip. I was going to say, I love me a New York strip steak. Uh, if, if that's what's on the menu, else. I'll never turn down some filet mignon. Uh, I don't know many people who would aside from uh, vegans, maybe. <laughs> they're, they're famous. They're famous for their bone marrow. If that's something you're into, it's an appetizer. It comes on this big plate cracked open and it's just glorious. Well, now I'm hungry. We're, we're like approaching <laughs> starving now <laughs> and, and, uh, we're, we're definitely going to have to make it out there, but, um, you better believe, uh, as soon as we make it out there, I will be, uh, sending you a picture of whatever Please delicious do. food I get. Honestly, I feel like Pittsburgh is such an underrated place. I feel like Pittsburgh's got a lot of good beer, a lot of good food. I got a lot of good drinks. Pittsburgh's a cool town to anybody who hasn't hasn't been there. I haven't made my way out to uh, to Green Bay, so I need to do that. Um, but definitely, Pittsburgh is a cool, cool football town. So, um, you know, definitely love the vibe and and you know all the delicious food because man, we can eat here. I've I've only been a couple of times, but I I was actually blown away the first time I went to Pittsburgh because it is not just there's not just great food and great restaurants and and stuff like that, but it's a beautiful city. With the, oh, with the rivers absolutely. and the bridges and the surrounding areas, it's sort of in a little bit of a valley and there's some rolling hills. It's, I had no idea it was so just aesthetically beautiful. So that's great. Uh, hopefully we can get through this, this you know, painful and tragic situation that we're dealing with right now. Meat and potatoes, of course, closed. You can't actually even go yet. Uh, but so hopefully we can get through this and you can go and, and we can all see our friends and family. Kate, this was great. Let my listeners know where they can find uh, the work that you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. Um, my wife and I do a fantasy football podcast uh, called Ball Blast. It's one word, fantasy football podcast. Um, we've got our uh, website, which is just newly launched. It's ballblastfootball.com. I write for Roto World, four for four. Uh, you can tell I have a short attention span because I do a little bit of everything. So, <laughs> you know, any anytime you guys have some fantasy questions or just want to uh, talk football, just send me a message on Twitter. Let's get the conversation going. Awesome. I love it. Thanks, Kate. Thank you so much. All right. I want to thank Kate again for joining the show. And if you have a, a fantasy football team, listen to her advice. Uh, a lot of really good insight in there. We're going to be back tomorrow, rest of the week, Thursday, Friday. We got shows for you and hopefully more. I mean, the, the Packers have been really good about zoom interviews And so we've been hearing from players and coaches and we're going to continue to bring you that sound as best we can and certainly have conversations based on what those guys are saying. So um, I I want to base as much of our shows as I can on the actual game or at least 
you know, the information that we're getting from practice and, and the experiences that these guys are having trying to make this all work together. So that's what we're going to be focusing on for the next couple of weeks before we actually get to the games. I'm still going to have some more, you know, fantasy talk, I think, um, and, and some more interviews as we try and figure out what this season is going to look like. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.